0: Flyers Daily with Jason Mertitis. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 5th of January, 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Frustrating finish to the game last night. Flyers fall in the shootout to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I was actually kind of surprised they were in the position. They were in, in the third period. But it was kind of that recipe of... Uh, The right opposition team at the right time, coming home from that road trip, that first game back with only the one day off, which turned out to be a travel day back from Edmonton on Wednesday, uh, with a game the next day, is always a tough spot for a team, but you did get a Columbus team who obviously is inferior, 8th place uh, in the Metropolitan Division, and they were missing some key guys. They're missing Warinsky, they're missing Boone Jenner, Elvis Merles-Leakins has been benched. They went with Tarasov in net, so it was, you know, all the recipe was there to be able to overcome just getting back from the trip, and Flyers, I thought the first period was a relatively decent period. Flyers outshot Columbus significantly. That's going to become a recurring theme on this podcast, that outshooting a team, I think I've said it quite a few times in the past, uh, is not necessarily a recipe for success, but Flyers outshot Columbus significantly in the first period, carried the play. I thought they four-checked really well in the first period. Uh, they get the only goal of the period when Travis Konechny has a perfect redirect of a Joel Faraby pass to put the Flyers up 1-0. That came at seventeen twelve of the period. Just another deft assist from Joel Faraby. One of the random observations I had is that Joel Faraby is a much better passer in tight uh, than I thought that he would be. And it was another great pass there. He had two assists in the Edmonton game, two nice assists in that one. And then he has that one to open the scoring. Travis Konechny's 19th of the season. That's how we'd end the first period. Matter of fact, go through the second period. Flyers pretty much control that one as well. Columbus, a little bit of pushback, uh, but there's no scoring. So you head into the third up one nothing, And uh, at some point, you got to not be playing these tight one-goal games going into the third. But the Flyers go into the third period with that one nothing lead. They build on it at 429. Again, another really good pass from Joel Farabee to Konechny. And he's able to just kind of power his way to the net. Doesn't even really get a shot off. I think he just loses control of the puck. And it ends up squeaking through. Tarasov. And goes through the five hole. Takes a punishment for, for getting the goal. But that's Konechny's second of the game. His 20th of the season. And the Flyers go up 2 nothing. Farabee and Couturier assist on both goals, so that's four assists total for the Flyers. So uh, four times three, that's 120 pounds of food that the Flyers and Penn Medicine for uh, will be donating to local communities in need as part of the Penn Medicine assist. So Flyers up 2 nothing. You got a 2 nothing lead in the third period, but it, less than a minute later, 55 seconds later, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets get on the board. Damon Siverson uh, picks up the goal 2-1. to uh, assisted by Fantility and Christensen. And then at 10 20 they get it tied when Jake Bean uh, gets a goal, high blocker on Sam Harrison. It was deflected on its way in. so tough, tough one for Ariison to handle. Uh, Roslovich and Gabranson pick up the assist and Columbus gets it tied. Columbus really put a ton of pressure on the Flyers after they got it tied at two. Arierson had to come up real big just to get it to overtime. They get it to overtime. Each team's got some decent chances in overtime. Wasn't the most exciting three-on-three overtime I've ever seen, but Flyers would head to the shootout, and they would head to the shootout probably feeling pretty darn confident because Sam and shootout attempts has been very good this year. He's 3-0 in the shootouts, only gave up one shootout goal so far this season. Uh, They go in. Flyers' first shooter is Sean Couturier. Uh, Tarasov stays down, makes a real nice glove save on Couturier. Then Gaudreau goes in. On uh, Sam Harrison and is able to beat him. Nice little deke move by Gaudreau uh, to make it one nothing in the shootout. Bobby Brink then snapshot saved by Tarasoff, and Kent Johnson's got a chance to put it put the game away. Uh, he misses a backhand shot wide, and then Tyson Forster uh, had a shot saved by Tarasoff, so they get the one nothing shootout win. Three two is the final uh, for Columbus. They grab the two points. The Flyers grab one and uh, they move on to Saturday against the Calgary Flames. Uh, I thought there were points in the game where the Flyers did play well and did buck the trend of just getting home off a West Coast trip. Um, first two periods in particular, but they just didn't have enough to show for it. Just the the one goal through two periods, and then the other goal they get in the third period, and it's the same combination of players. It's Konechny on both goals, Farabee and Couturier with the assists, and the same against the Edmonton Oilers when they scored the two goals. That same combination of forwards was on the ice. And, you know, you've got to get more scoring from lines outside of your top line. Yeah, your top line is supposed to be your most potent and and do the most scoring, but the other line's got to chip in. Scoring two goals in a game is is rarely, rarely going to do it in the NHL. It's a race-to-three league. And the Flyers unable to get there once again in this game, get to three goals. And the goal scoring right now has dried up once again for everybody not on that top line. So over the last seven games, the Flyers had the 4-2 loss against Nashville, just the two goals. All right, they lose to Detroit 7-6. That's a high-scoring game. You score six. You should win that every day. Um, That's a shootout loss. Then against Vancouver, you score four. You win 4-1. But then against Seattle, you only score one goal. Against Calgary, you score three, but uh, you lose 4-3 to in that game. And that really was just a couple of goals with the goalie pulled at the end of the game as they kept battling. Edmonton, you only have the two goals, which were provided by the top line. And then last night against Columbus, 3-2 shootout loss, both goals provided by Konechny and the top line. The other lines need to produce. Now, Konechny's been great. He's got 20 goals on the season. He's obviously pacing over 40. They're not quite at the halfway mark on the season. And he's headed to the All-Star game for the second time, and he has absolutely earned it. And talking about this last night on the game broadcast, you know, he's an interesting guy because I, I was here through and doing the job I do with the Flyers all through the trajectory of Claude Giroux's career. And I think we knew early on that Giroux was pretty special because of his hockey IQ and those things. Maybe we didn't know the extent of it, but we knew that he was a really good player. And Konechny came in as a first-round pick, a lot of skill set, speed. But he was kind of all over the place in his play, in his emotions, his mouth, everything when he first came in. And we've watched this now over six, seven seasons, the ma- the maturity of Konechny not only as a player but a human, or as not only as a human, as a player. And we've seen him go from this unbridled – just all over the place kind of player and lack of structure and emotional and not knowing when to control that and all of that stuff, some immaturity in his game to this very mature player that is uh, equally as mature off the ice, married, has a kid. And I just, it's been a really fun arc to watch him. And like with a lot of players, when they first come in and they first start talking to the media or they do interviews They're petrified. They're uncomfortable. Konechny came in right away. Comfortable, cool as a cucumber. Just a regular conversation like you've known him for years. And he was that way when he came in. He's still that way today. Um, The only difference is the things he says now. Not that what he said back then was immature, but so team-oriented and about the group and about the players that he lines up with on his team and goes to battle with. So you've seen just this maturity of his game. So congratulations to TK on every element of it earned going back to the all-star game. And the crazy thing is, is, you know, you look at his, he had three 24 goal seasons in a row. And the last one of those three prior to the, the league shutting down because of the pandemic, he had 24 in, I think, 59 games that year or 69 games. So he was on a pace for 30, but didn't get it. And then we went to the bubble and, TK struggled in the bubble didn't score came back the next year really struggled really got his game back underway last year scoring 31 goals under John Tortorella and then you're just wondering is is he going to be a player that keeps taking an even another step here now that he's in, in the prime of his career and he definitely has PK's been a big part of that for Travis Connickny as well uh, not only the offense that he provides out of it but his ability to kill penalties I think he's the kind of the emotional leader of the team as well. So um, I'm thrilled that he's going back and he's going to be able to enjoy an all-star game once again. And then, um, you know, but he can't be the only one that line can't be the only line that provides offense. John Tortorella uh, made a decision um, to scratch two guys for this game. He scratched uh, Morgan Frost for the 11th time this season. And he scratched Cam Atkinson, who's gone 22 games without a goal. And, He was asked after the game if it was a difficult decision to scratch Cam Atkinson. He said, no, it wasn't a difficult decision. It's almost not a decision that he made. You have to base it on accountability. And you have to base it that, look, sometimes guys earn more minutes in games. Sometimes guys earn less minutes. Sometimes guys earn a night off. Earn a night off in the sense that they need to sit. And Cam got off to a really good start this season, but he has hit a wall. And there's no doubt about it. He's taken a couple of penalties lately that were a little uncharacteristic. Um, So maybe, you know, him sitting for that game or however he ends up sitting um, will benefit him. But, you know, Cam Atkinson, there was no bigger advocate for John Tortorella to come in and coach the Flyers than Cam Atkinson. And Cam Atkinson talked about when he was advocating for Torts to come here. The reason why was because... Of accountability, so while Cam Atkinson, I'm sure, doesn't like being scratched, I'm sure he understands it. He is on the team and he needs to provide scoring, and he hasn't done that. So I don't think that you know being scratched is going to send Cam Atkinson into either the doghouse or the pouting house. I think he's going to use it and use the the time that he was in the press box last night's game and whatever else goes forward, and use it to try and make himself better and. And help this team win. Because they need a guy like Cam Atkinson. When Morgan Frost is in there. I didn't think Morgan Frost had a great road trip. Um, They need him to end up on the score sheet. I thought Owen Tippett played really well last night. He had 13 shot attempts. 7 shots on goal. tying a career high. Um, But he is a guy that needs to end up on the score sheet. You don't get anything on the scoreboard. For an amount of shots on goal. It's... It's... In a way, sorry, it doesn't matter. Flyers outshot Columbus in the game 41-28. to 28. You lost the game. Shots are not the be-all, end-all. Now, the Flyers did have more quality opportunities, but it is about quality, not quantity, when it comes to shots in the league. And the Flyers need to get more offense. Tyson Forster needs to provide some offense. Bobby Brink needs to provide some offense. Um, the three forwards, that I think, are playing really well. I thought Tippett played well last night, but the three I thought Couturier was excellent in the game last night. I thought Farabee was excellent in the game last night, and I thought TK was excellent in the game as well. But there's not a lot of other forwards that I could say I thought played excellent. They need to get some goals from different sources. Scott Lawton's got to provide some offense. You got to get more scoring from other places. You got to get more scoring from the blue line overall. Sean Walker needs to provide some more offense. So does Cam York. So they're not going to outscore teams with one line going. It's just not going to happen. And again, I saw on social media, I know a lot of people are freaking out. Oh, I told you this is who this team was. Look, I've said this before. You cannot treat an 82-game season – in hockey or basketball like it's the NFL in a 16 or 17-game season. Every team is going to go through periods of time where they find ways to lose. Flyers should have won that game last night nine times out of ten. Two-nothing lead in the third period. I know it was one-nothing going in, but it was two-nothing. And they found a way to lose the game. Just like sometimes when things are going well, you find a way to win a game that you shouldn't win. Sometimes when things aren't going well, you find a way to lose a game you shouldn't lose. And I think that's what that was last night. Now, you got to beat teams like Columbus when you're in this really tight division. You got to beat a team like Columbus when they're without Warinsky and without Boone Jenner and they're they're banged up. You got you still got to find a way to win the game. And they didn't. And that's frustrating. But there's going to be ups and downs in a season. So they get the one point in the standings last night. Carolina sitting in the second spot with 46 points. Flyers two points back, played the same amount of games. Uh, They're tied in points with the Islanders. Islanders have played one less game. Two points up on the Devils, uh, but the Devils have played two less games. The Capitals, they're two points up on the Caps. Caps have played two less games as well. And then the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, they're two points ahead of now, and they've played one less game than the Flyers. So things are... Insanely tight. They're still from the second spot in the division, 46 points, to the seventh spot, 42 points. There's still only four points between second and seventh in the division. And it's a busy month. Flyers will be back at it coming up on Saturday. They'll look to exact a little revenge. Maybe that's exactly what they need a little recent revenge against Calgary on Saturday for Ed Snyder Legacy Night. Then coming up Monday, the team that I just mentioned, two points behind the Flyers is the Pittsburgh Penguins. You beat the Penguins twice in the month of December to start off the month in a home-and-home. Home. One was a shootout win, one was an overtime win. Now you got to beat them a third time in a row. Things are tight. After Pittsburgh, you get Montreal. Montreal, not very good. 16, 17, and 5 on the year. Then you got to go on the road. you got to take on Minnesota. Minnesota is a team that, not a great team. Again, kind of similar record to Montreal, just under hockey 500. But they'll come in, in their building, they'll give you a game. Then you got to go to Winnipeg, who has the third highest points percentage in the NHL. Great goaltender in Connor Hellebuck. And then you got to go to St. Louis. St. Louis, just over 500. Then you're going to come back home for another four game homestand. You're going to see a really good Dallas team. You're going to see a really good Colorado team. Sits in the top spot in the Central Division of the Western Conference. You're going to get Ottawa, who, I don't know, they're playing better, but they stink. They have some good players. And then you're going to get a desperate Tampa team that's trying to get themselves into the mix and stay in the mix that's got a lot of high-end talent, but right now uh, has not gotten off to the start they would hope for. Then you're going to end the month on the road at Detroit and then back home versus the team with the top points percentage in the NHL, the Boston Bruins. So it is... It's a a gauntlet, mostly pretty good teams, a couple of pretty bad ones, but you got to take care of business. And the Flyers got to take care of business, and they've got to get more scoring from other lines outside of their top line. All right, so I did the episode on um, six random observations on this season, and I had put out a tweet to uh, solicit some random observations as well. So I got some of these here. I think these are pretty good. So I said, for tomorrow's Flyers Daily, shoot me some totally random observations about this Flyers team. I have a bunch from the players' tape jobs, when I talked about Carter Hart's tape job, uh, to shot type of shots taken, Cam Atkinson taking a lot of slap shots below the top of the circle. I said, drop any random off-the-wall and not-so-off-the-wall observations. Um, So uh, let's get through a couple of them. Flyers fan 39 said, every time they show TK, he's mad. Same with Torts, unless it's right after a goal or during a scrap. I don't know if I sense that TK seems like he's always angry. Torts, it really depends. He's an intense coach. He's an, he runs an intense bench, so he's not going to be a guy that's going to be showing you a lot of, you know, chuckles and smiles and, and giddiness on the bench. Uh, Flyers fan 39 also said, Frost's body language is visibly upset after every failed play. I haven't noticed that as much either. I don't think he's a guy that sags a whole heck of a lot. Um, but that's now something when he gets back in, I will keep an eye out for, for sure. Um, Flyers fan 39 said, Coots is always patient with the puck, sometimes to our detriment. I, I haven't seen a lot of it to the detriment this year. I think he's been really smart with the puck and pushing the pace. Um, and he said, uh, Flyers fan 39, Zamula skates the blue line very well with the puck. And I do agree with that. He's a good lateral along the blue line player looking for a lane to get the puck through the net. That is, that is a strength of his game. Uh, Quinn the Eskimo said, I've noticed the Flyers are typically out shooting other teams. Most times this results in success. This was not the case the last few years. Didn't fact check, so don't kill me. Now, they weren't a team that outshot teams the last two years. Um, this year they have been a team that has been really good at shot suppression and pretty decent at shot volume but it doesn't mean anything. The volume of shots doesn't mean anything. It's 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 just a number. It's all about the quality. Now, if you get if you average 35 shots a game, but you average eight high danger scoring chances or 12 high danger scoring chances, if you want to say, well the reason why they get 12 high danger scoring chances is because they took 40 shots, okay, maybe. But it's not about quantity of shots it's always about quality if you take all your shots on the outside and they're clear-sighted you're just playing pitch and catch with the goaltender um Quinn tweets in M 18 he says uh, Rasmus Ristolano Risto is the loudest when calling for the puck from Hart or Ayrson so like if the goalie stops a rim deal will peel to the corner he's saying that risto is the loudest and letting him know where he is he said I heard him through the broadcast a few times this season I haven't noticed that because obviously I'm at a lot of the games but it's something I definitely want to listen for I love it when guys call for the call for the puck loudly there's some guys that absolutely you can hear they make a lot of noise when they're open um, so that that's a good one I like that one a lot Um we had Flyers fan 39 check in. Now we have Flyers fan 88 checking in. And uh, Flyers fan 88 says, Since we're doing better than anyone expected, I believed in the team. So a quick question to ask them is do they wash the dog mask or do they just keep it raw with all that sweat from all the last wins? Now, the dog mask is obviously what they do this year for the player to player, player of the game. Whoever won player of the game. Uh, on Saturday, they give it to the guy who they think should be player of the game for the next game. And on and on, they take the picture with the, the dog mask on. And we know what those masks are like. It's like rubber and gross. And uh, I imagine that they disinfect that mask every time because sickness, especially this time of year. And there's been a lot of sickness. that's already gone through the Flyers locker room and everywhere, frankly, my house included. Uh, I imagine they're disinfecting that mask, steaming it, whatever you got to do between games, drying it out properly. Uh, I don't think they're just leaving that thing funky all season long because that would be some serious funk. That'd be gross. Um, Johan Stenberg said, it would be fun to hear what curve and flex some of the players use. Now, Johan, I saw this tweet before the game last night, and when I was getting ready to start the pregame show, I walked out by the bench and saw the stick rack there, and I thought of your tweet. And I started looking at some of the sticks, And um, most of the flexes are pretty high. They're in the 90s, 95. I think there was one that was about, I think Scott Lawton had an 87. I think that Garnet Hathaway had an 87 flex. Like, we can't get 87 flex, me and you. We get 85, 90, 65, you know, you get a round number. NHL players and get them dialed in specifically. Um, It's like the the paddle on a goalie stick. Uh, Like, if you want a a 31-inch paddle, well, a goalie in the NHL can get 31 and a quarter because they can get them specially made. But there was one player, there were a lot of players like Zamula was 95 on his flex. Wrist was 95. I saw one stick, though, that was at 102 for the flex. And that was Sean Couturier had a 102 flex on a stick. Now, he's a big guy. not that big. Like, I imagine... Zedaino Charo when he played, had like a 130 flex on his stick. It said 102 on Couturier's stick. I'll dig in on those further and look at the curves and see who's using a P28 or a P29 and so on and so forth. If you don't know what that is, I'll have to put some pictures up. Um, let's get to one more here random observation. We'll get to some of these on another. Um, episode as well in the net hockey says Forster has a great shot yet I feel like I barely ever see him actually shoot the puck in the the net hockey that is a great observation that I totally agree with I want to see that shot way more way more than we've seen it I want to see a guy going to places to be able to get the puck to see it I want to see a guy that's more willing to shoot it I want to see a guy that I want to see him shoot the puck so many times that I'm going, will you stop shooting? I have not seen it nearly enough. And that's, to me, one of his greatest weapons. All right, let's get to one more. I want to get to this last one, and we'll get to some more in tomorrow's episode. John Ezra tweets in, and he says, Do NHL players, specifically Flyers players, still drink beer after games? If so, which brand? Um, Well, they don't drink in the locker room. It's not like a beer league where you just start cracking up cold ones as soon as you get off the ice and you're throwing, hey, you who wants a Molson? Who wants a Miller Lite? Whatever. It's not like that. Um, Do they still drink a beer after the games if they're on the road or they get on the plane? I'm sure. Or if you're on the road and you're staying there that night, you go out and you get something to eat and maybe you have a couple beers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know what they drink. That's an individual choice. But I'm sure players go out and have a couple cocktails. These are young men. Absolutely. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that, as long as you can keep the guardrails on it and not have it become an issue. Um, All right, we'll get to a bunch more of these coming up in tomorrow's episode. We'll also preview Flyers Calgary and what is Ed Snyder Legacy Night at Wells Fargo Center for Saturday. Um, So we'll do that uh, for tomorrow's episode. So everybody, join us then. Uh, Remember, these stretches happen in a long hockey season. I don't like that they didn't get the two points against Columbus as well. But don't go freaking out. Enjoy your Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.